0: We're going to be in uh, Psalms chapter 147 to start tonight. We're going to be all over the place a little bit. Uh, If you would stand with me for the reading of the Lord's Word, if you are able to stand. uh, We'll take a few moments here and read from this passage. Um, I want to jump right in tonight. I don't plan to be long, but we'll see how the Lord leads. Psalms 147, we're going to read the first 11 verses. They're not long. That sounds like a big undertaking, Um, but I will move quickly here. We're going to start with verse 1 this morning. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifted up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground, sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praise unto the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains, he giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry, he delighteth not in the strength of the horse, he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope. In His mercy. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Justin asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago, and over those past couple of weeks, the Lord has kind of been stringing verses together for me as I prepared for this message. Um, this particular chapter I read on top of a mountain uh, just a couple of days ago. Paul Potter and I went on a backpacking trip, our first ever, um, and after running through a list of potential uh, hikes that we wanted to go on, we finally landed on our 40th choice because um, of uh, the permit situation and fires that kept us from going to the trails that we wanted to go. Uh, And it wasn't until we started and got most of the way up this mountain that we realized uh, that this was a trail that people used to train for climbing mountains. Um, And so with 30 pounds on our back, we were climbing uh, six miles straight up with 5,200 feet of elevation change. Um, And as we clawed our way up this mountain, uh, named aptly Defiance Mountain, uh, I don't know that we defied Defiance Mountain. I know that I begged for mercy a few times. Um, But I was there reading in my Bible uh, on my phone because I didn't want to carry extra weight and uh, as I read this passage I felt like the Lord took this verse 10 and he says, he delighteth not in the strength of the horse. God does not delight or take pleasure in the greatness of his own creation. The The verse continues he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man and I felt that. I'm still feeling that. And as I stand my legs are shaking just trying to we're going to be done early tonight. That's the plan. I've got to get home to my recliner. But uh, God doesn't take pleasure in His creation or in the things that He's accomplished here on the earth. Verse 11 says, He taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, in those that hope in His mercy. Let's pray. Father, we love You, and we come before Your throne a people who are called by Your name. And as Christians, Father, we want to be people that you take pleasure in. Father, we want to have hearts that are open to you, that fear you, the way the Bible indicates that we ought to. And the way that you take pleasure in us, Father, our our desire tonight would be for you to expose in our hearts and our lives the areas where we do not trust you. Or where fear of circumstance or worry has taken your place in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray, Father, that tonight, that you'd speak to us and through us in your word, that you'd guide our study, that you'd give us, Lord, as as every man here and and every woman and every child, ears to hear, so that we may hear what you have to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a moment and just mention, uh, we've got a young adult conference coming up uh, August 11th and 12th. And so we are excited about that. And I hope, if you know any young adults that would be interested in coming, the cost is $25. Uh, And I think that'll be a big blessing to you, Pastor Kurt Skelly, coming from Virginia. And uh, we are excited about uh, the word of the Lord that's going to be shared with us during that time. And so if you're able to spread the word about that, uh, you'll see it coming up on the church Facebook page, and you'll be able to share that. And so if you see that, I hope you'll do that. Um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 says, "In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You know, throughout the Bible, we are commanded to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, uh, this, of course, doesn't mean to be scared of God, and and I think we understand that, but just to make sure that we're all on the same page here, um, you know, a healthy family relationship doesn't mean that it has children in it that would be afraid of their parents. Are we on the same page? Uh, uh, But the the fear, the word fear here that the Bible's using uh, is an indication of standing in awe of. And so a healthy family relationship, if you'll use the analogy there of of Father God to us as his children and also a parent to their child, um, there's a healthy respect that has to be evident and existent inside a family relationship. And I think we all understand that. Um, but with God, of course, there's this fear that the Bible, the, the Bible word there uh, that means in awe of or standing in respect of the position that God holds. And God commands us to fear the Lord over and over throughout Scripture. It says, "Fear the Lord." Um, and Psalms 33, 8 says, "Let all the earth fear the Lord; let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him." And so, when we fear God, we are trusting not only in His attributes not only in the things that describe him and his character and uh, trusting in his will and trusting in his grace and trusting in his mercy, we're also trusting in the way that he's working in our lives and we're confident in the ways that he moves that his ways, as the Bible says, are higher than our ways. Now, while he tells us to fear him, and this is what drew my attention to our passage this morning, he simultaneously throughout God's word commands us, Not to be in fear. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So, the question that I want to pose this, this evening is, what does it mean when we fear, not God, not in respect of Him, but instead we fear the circumstances... The situational problems that we face, that everybody faces, the uh, anxiety of the, the situations that we are going through, and the problems, and the temptations, and the trials. What happens in the life of a Christian who spends time in anxiety, in fear, and in worry in a world where God commands us to fear Him, but fear not? And that's what I want to talk about this evening. The Bible tells us that the devil seeks to sow fear and worry and doubt in order to reap a lack of trust in God. The devil seeks to go through our lives and to sow fear and discord and all of the problems so that when we face something that's too major for us to handle, we worry instead of trust. So that we fear instead of believe so that we have anxiety instead of faith. And so tonight, as we face, maybe, perhaps, for some of us, the fears that have been sowed in our lives, where Jesus would come along and sow faith and trust in God, the devil sows faith and trust in our abilities. He sows faith and trust in our comprehension, in our finances, And our ability to handle whatever life throws at us. And where Jesus would come and ask us to trust him. And to believe in what he would have in our lives. The devil seeks to sow control. Manipulation. Desire to to pull on all of the strings in order to accomplish what it is that we think should happen. Avoidance. Avoidance. He seeks to uh, create in us this turmoil that would push us into doing things that we're not proud of. To sin and to lie in order to circumnavigate the things that have come into our lives. And where Jesus tells us to trust, the devil pushes fear that brings on all of these other behaviors. So, what do we do with these things? 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, For God... Hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You see, fear is actually a type of faith. Let that sink in for a second. Fear is actually a type of faith. It is faith that the devil has more power than God. That's what fear is. Fear is faith, but not faith in God. Fear is faith that the devil has more ability and more power and more capacity than our great God. Now, I I think we all agree tonight that that's obviously wrong. And if I asked you, does God have more power than the devil? Of course, your answer would be a resounding yes. We would all applaud it. God is a great God. And yes, and yet, if you're anything like me, you've lived in fear. If you're anything like me. You have acted in fear. You have worried. You've spent days in anxiety wondering racking your mind about how you were going to accomplish what it is that you felt like needed to happen. You've worked behind the scenes to try to twist things the way that they needed to be twisted in order for your advances to be met. If you're anything like me, you've lived in fear. And so as we seek this evening to live in faith. The Bible says, Romans 8, verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, the devil wraps us up in bondage so that even in circumstances uh, where we're totally safe, we can be overcome by an irrational fear, a, a worry, a sense of uh, distrust, depression. Uh, recently, uh, just a couple of uh, Sunday evenings ago, I walked out into the foyer and Cindy was nowhere to be seen and she had kind of walked off, but I saw Candace over playing with some of her friends and out of nowhere, uh, my three year old daughter Candace, she just noticed mom was not around. Okay, and you could see her like scanning the crowd and she's looking at knees, you know. Uh, she tries to, you know, find her mom and she's running around. Now here's the thing I was probably six feet from her. I was not far behind her. I was with her the whole time. But you could tell this frantic panic of, where is my mother? Now, she's in a, a place that she knows well, the church foyer. She spends many hours there. That's her second home right out there. Uh, she's in a place where she feels comfortable. And you know, you see her running up and down and around and up the stairs. She shouldn't, but she does. And uh, she, she feels totally comfortable out there. But as soon as she lost sight of her mother and her father, couldn't find me, couldn't find Cindy, suddenly... Something's wrong. And that's a cute story. But I think that it has real-world implications for us. Because God commands childlike faith. And as I reached over and I found Candace and I kind of poked her on the shoulder, and she turned around and she was like, ah, and you could see just the relief wash over her. The excitement of, I'm okay. They didn't leave me. We haven't left her yet. She's three years in. We're doing great. We're three years, and... Perfect attendance. We're we're doing good. We're doing good. We've not yet left her. But that's supposed to be us. God commands a childlike faith because it's one, when we're pushed into circumstances that we're not quite sure what to do, instead of trying to figure things out for ourselves, we're supposed to look for the Father. We're supposed to look for our Heavenly Father in the circumstances and in the trials, and in places of anxiety and fear, and where those situations creep in, where now we don't know what to do, even in situations where we're comfortable. And you see, Satan wants to work most in those situations where you should feel comfortable, because if he can work there, then as soon as you step out of comfort, he has you. If Satan can sow fear and anxiety and worry In day-to-day situations in your life, you'll never do anything that is outside of that comfort zone that you have because you're already living there. Childlike faith. Matthew 18.4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, a child never worries when their parent is there. And praise God, we have a Father who never leaves us, Amen. nor forsakes us. God's will, if you're looking for God's will tonight, God's will is that we will trust Him, that we will rest in His strength, His provision, and His care. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. John sixteen thirty three says, These things have I spoken unto you, that, ye might, that in me ye might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world see fear drives us each into our different methods of control our methods of handling the fear that comes at us some of us uh, we we kind of devolve into control or worry avoidance try to avoid the situational problems that come up we won't face the problems that come in front of us we resort to anger Meet an angry person, they're dealing with fear, and they're just devolving right into anger. Disassociate, drop into lies or manipulation. These are all just ways of handling fear. And I know that I'm guilty of employing many of these things in my life at some point or another. And it's been interesting as a parent, if you've ever raised kids, I think you've probably seen the way that your children uh, respond to fear much like you or your spouse does. Uh, and it's amazing how just between Candace and Carter, they both respond to fear very differently. Uh, Carter wants to just bang on things. Uh, he's a boy, and so he just you know beats on things when he doesn't know what to do with it. And uh, Candace much more timid, and she, she kind of interacts with fear. And there's just some uh, some interesting you know perspectives that Cindy and I have gotten about our own lives uh, as we've watched our children grow up. But um, as we face these sorts of things, the and try to involve these other methods. The Bible tells that the that these methods will not work. These manipulations, this control, these avoidance things—they won't work. The Bible says, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five: "The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe." Psalms one hundred twenty seven verse one says, "Except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh." But in vain, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. If you would tonight, turn with me to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start off in verse 25. We'll read a few verses here, but I think it's all pertinent, and so we'll go through it together. But verse 25, Matthew chapter 6 tells us, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? You, God's here saying that you can't even do something so simple as, as grow a little extra. Anybody like to be taller? My hand's up. Bible says, you, look, you, you, can't, you, you can't do anything that is a physical change in your own life. You can't choose that. And yet, we try so hard to control all of these physical parts of our lives and making sure that we have security and and faith and all of these other things that we've amassed for ourselves. And God says, take no thought. Don't think about those things. Don't give place in your mind to the situations that you face. Let's keep reading. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And of course that verse there, the last verse, sufficient unto the day, meaning that the things that you're facing today are already enough for you. So don't take time to think about tomorrow. Focus on today. But I want to dial in there on verse, verse 33. Just focus in on verse 33. And the Bible says two things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the way the grammar works in that phrase to seek ye first his righteousness. You see those two things are together. And so, of course, his, his righteousness, if we take the second one first, of course, is referring to uh, accepting Christ's righteousness, and that happens at the moment you got saved. So if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior and you're confident that you know, uh, if you died today, you go to heaven, Then praise God, you've accepted his righteousness, and you've sought that out and received that unto yourself. But that first phrase, seek ye first the kingdom of God, it's not just referring to the return of Christ, nor is it just asking Him, for the, desiring for Him, if you will, to be present in the world. I think sometimes that we get this ultra-fixation on asking God to come in and change our governments and change all of the situational, political turmoil and things that we're facing around the world. Or God, be over in Ukraine. And Lord, would you bring about your kingdom in this area? And we, I think sometimes we devalue this statement, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because it's not just referring to the rapture. It's not just referring to the millennial reign. And it's not just referring to God working in situations around us. I believe when the Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God, that we have a God-given responsibility to seek God by asking Him to rule and reign as Christ on earth by offering ourselves first To be ruled and reigned in. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is a personal command. You. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. Salvation. Individual. The kingdom of God. Individual. And I think too long. And in my life especially. I've gotten fixated on. Other problems other people's things. God, would you just get in their life and fix that person? Man, they've got some problems. Lord, would you just help them? It sounds like they're going through a rough time. Would you just, man, I mean, take away all that fear and worry and all the things that they're dealing with. Would you you just go over there and and fix them? And I believe that the command in, in Matthew 6, to seek ye first the kingdom of God, is something for me. Just like Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And as Christians, seeking first the kingdom of God, we have that command to offer ourselves to be ruled and reigned in. I'll share a little bit of my testimony just transparently this evening. Over the past six years... Um, God's been kind of working on this thought and this is something that um, he, he's been working on in a big way and you're seeing a small picture of it I think but um, he's been exposing areas of my life where I have not trusted in him uh, areas where I've kind of curtained off portions of my life and said okay God I trust you but you know this area I've pretty, got ma- pretty much got managed myself and I can handle these things and I'm okay over here and you just work on those little external things and I'll, just, I'll deal with my things you deal with your things and I think, you know, if, if, if we were to uh, try to draw a line of how much I've let God lead, you know, I don't even know where that line would be. But I'm just starting to see more and more the areas of my life where God says, Hey, Cameron, when are you ready to give that up? When are you ready to trust me with that? When are you going to be ready to, to give over to the, instead of giving over into the fear and the anxiety and the worry that you normally do, when are you ready to just trust me? And I've learned to start trusting in God and to stop being so self-reliant. And I don't know how to tell you to take that journey, but I think I can give you the first step. And the first step is that if it's a journey that you're ready to start, I think it starts with a prayer like this. God, I don't know all of the answers, but if you're ready to change me, and reign in my life. I'm ready for you to speak. Amen. Sure. I wish I had the answers for you. I wish I could tell you specifically what God wants to do in your life. And the things that he wants to change. And what giving up fear will do for you. I don't know. I don't know. But I know. That when you're ready. God's always been ready. That's right. And when you're ready to trust. God's ready to move. And so if you're ready tonight, I'm going to encourage you here in a few moments when we pray to step forward for Christ and to give God those areas of your life where you haven't trusted Him. Now, maybe you're here tonight and you've been confused by the terminology. And I know I've gone through a lot of Bible verses and I've thrown thrown around a lot of phrases that if you haven't been in church very long, you may not be familiar with. Maybe you've never experienced the love of God. 1 John 4 tells us that we have known and believed the love that God hath to us because God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And if we skip a verse down it says there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there anyone here tonight that would say I've never accepted the love of God that He gave to us through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. and I don't know for sure that if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. Is there anyone like that that would raise their hand? Nobody's looking around. And just say, I don't know that. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? The Bible says there's only three things you need to know in order to go to heaven. Number one, you need to be aware of your sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the first thing you've got to know is that you're a sinner. The second thing the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And of course, if you were to work a job, you deserve to get paid. But the Bible says if you sin, you deserve to die and go to hell. And there's the bad news. But the verse doesn't stop there. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So first you have to know that you're a sinner. Secondly, you have to know that there's a penalty for that sin, which is death and hell, for eternity. But, that God gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins, so that you can have the eternal gift of salvation. If you're ready to accept that gift, the Bible says that with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. And so tonight, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll pray this prayer with me, Father. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to die and go to hell. But I do not want to. I want to go to heaven. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for my sins. Please take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name. Amen. No one's still looking around. If you prayed that prayer with me tonight for the first time, would you raise your hand so I can rejoice with you? I will not embarrass you. Christians tonight. Are you struggling with fear? Are you seeking to work out your own peace instead of resting in God who is peace? Maybe tonight you've recognized that fear that's been present in your life has made you worry. It's made you avoid responsibility. It's made you angry. Makes you dissociate from circumstances or situations. Forces you to lie or to seek to manipulate and try to control those around you. Or perhaps you realize that you have set on on your own, set out on your own to make your own way, instead of trusting in God's way. How many of you tonight would say, That was me? I've given over to fear. I haven't trusted God the way that I need to. But by the grace of God, I want to set aside fear tonight. And move forward in the power, the love, and the sound mind that God has for me? Would anybody, if I raise a hand, say that's me? Hands up all over the room. Anyone else? Yes, I see those hands. As the piano starts to play, when we stand to our feet. There's a decision that you need to make. Can I encourage you to step down and take a step of faith as you walk for God and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stop living in fear. I'm going to stop giving in to what the devil's trying to do in my life. And I want tonight to come down and to show you that I'm going to trust you. As these at the altar pray, would you pray in your seat? Would you ask God to work in your heart and to seek to move in every area of your life? Would you ask him to expose to you areas where you haven't trusted him? Father, help us to be people who stand in awe of you, who fear you, and instead of forcing our will on you, for us to wait patiently and expectantly on your mercy. Lord, remind us to trust you when we don't, when circumstances stand up against us, when people stand in our way, when uh, trials come and temptations we face. Father, would you help us to trust you? Lord, would you guide us into understanding your word, into hearing you speak, into seeing your work. And lastly, Father, tonight, would you help us to lay down our worries at your feet through prayer, so that, as the Bible says, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Father, we'll give you the praise for what you do. Lord, please expose in us the areas of our life where we do not trust you. And help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to watch the next video. And then, uh, Pastor, do you have anything else that you want to say after this? All right, and so we will watch the next video, and then we'll be dismissed. Grandview Nursery is looking for volunteers to serve once or twice a month. If this is a place you'd like to serve, please sign up at the welcome desk or see Miss Alicia Latham. We're excited about Team Camp coming up July 31st through August 4th. If you've not signed up for Team Camp or you've not paid, you can do so online at grandviewcares.com. The Israel trip is coming up in January. Normally, we have many people interested. And already I've talked to many people that have said they are, but you have not signed up yet. In the next month or two, we've got to finalize that. So if you are interested, please sign up very quickly. Don't forget to join us next Sunday morning following the 11 a.m. service for our Starting Point class. Explore membership at Grandview, find out more about growing in your relationship with Christ, and get connected with our church. Enjoy a delicious meal while learning how to take the next step in your journey of faith here at Grandview. Our Level Up Teaching and Training modules will be held next Sunday night, July 30th, during the 5 p.m. service. Come and choose two modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss a special time of training with something for every Christian. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Well, thank you again for being here tonight on behalf of Grandview Baptist Church and our staff and our pastor. We love you and we're thankful for you taking the time to be here and being a part of our church. and. Uh, part of what we're doing here in our community. Uh, Let's pray and we're done. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you do for us, God. Send us out this week to be salt and light. Guide us, and in every situation of life, help us to trust you in Jesus' name. amen. Amen.